Good afternoon, evening, or good night. I messed that up, but wherever you are in the world, welcome to DBN News for 12-14-2018. The semi-daily news that even plants crave. I'm Anthony, and I'll be your host today. With that being said, let's jump into this news. Our featured story for the week is an indie game made by the wonderful Nick DiPaolo, who is the one-man team behind Adam's Ascending. Adam's Ascending is a third-person spiritual adventure of the soul. It's a story-driven game that will try to go beyond the screen with its story by inspiring you to reach your purpose and potential in your own life. You can reach out to Nick on Twitter at twitter.com slash depalo, that's D-E-P-A-L-O. Link to his Kickstarter is in his bio, or go to kickstarter.com and search Adam's Ascending to pledge now. You can even subscribe to information with the game through parableworlds.com. And don't forget to follow parableworlds at twitter.com slash parable underscore games underscore games. That's a score underscore. Nick DePaulo is a solo dev, so we can't stress enough how important it is to support this game and this amazing indie dev. So please join us at Dad's Beards Nerds in helping Nick reach his Kickstarter goal. Go, 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 go. Go pledge, please. Nick is awesome. Seriously, though. Second story is from IGN and written by Seth G. Macy. Kanye West is trying to find Hideo Kojima. <laughs> One of those weird things where I think it's what art imitates life or comedy imitates life. I don't know. Kanye West, currently in New York City and fresh off his micro beef with Drake last night, is now turning his attention to finding the whereabouts of legendary game designer Hideo Kojima. Kojima is currently visiting New York City himself, and Kanye took to Twitter to try and nail down his location. Kanye tweeted, Heard, or heard Hideo Kojima is in New York. We need to meet. Does anyone know where he is or how to contact him? Among the most popular replies to Kanye's query is from Jeff Keeley or Geoff Keeley, who may or may not have directed Kanye to Hideo Kojima's phone. Jeff replied with, I got ya. No one knows exactly why Kanye is looking for Kojima. It could be he wants to work on something with a creator of Metal Gear. Perhaps Kanye wants to collaborate musically, or maybe he just thinks Kojima is cool and wants to meet him. Regardless of the reason, Kanye and Kojima's contributions to their respective arts cannot be denied. No, they cannot. <laughs> Imagine they get together and Kanye is in Death Stranding. Holy shit. Next is from IGN and written by Andrew Goldfarb. How Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 ended up on Nintendo Switch. Following the surprise announcement of Marvel's Ultimate Alliance 3 exclusively for Switch, which, side note, is really weird. I don't understand why that's only coming to Switch. Anyways, back to the story. Nintendo has shed a little bit of light on how that deal came together in an interview following the Game Awards. Or, yeah, we asked Nintendo of America president and COO Reggie Phil's aim about working with Koei Tecmo. That is IGN who asked them. I'm sorry, I didn't proofread that. Who is developing Ultimate Alliance 3. And if previous collaborations on Hyrule Warriors and Fire Emblem Warriors helped make this project happen. It did. What happens in the world of development is you have companies who have positive experiences in working together, coupled with franchises being available and the franchise owner wanting to do something with a particular franchise, Phil's aim told IGN. And in this case, those three elements came together in order to create the opportunity for that game. And we love that, he added. And we're constantly looking for those types of opportunities. It's the Team Ninja portion of Koei Tecmo that's working on this. They've got a lot of skills and it really helped paint a picture of what that game is going to be. We're tremendously excited about it. 
While this is the third entry in the Marvel Ultimate Alliance series, it's the first developed by Koei Tecmo, as the original games were developed under Activision. We asked Phil's aim if those original titles could also eventually make their way to Switch. I really can't comment on that. That's not been an area of focus for us, he said. What we want to do is we want to make this game a great experience, and certainly with all of this excitement around the overall Marvel, Marvel Universe, we think it's going to be a great opportunity. As for other Game Awards moments, Phil Zame also addressed his appearance on stage alongside Xbox and PlayStation heads Phil Spencer and Sean Layden. Here's what's so important. From my perspective, he said, our industry is the most vibrant across all of entertainment. The opportunity to speak to all of the players and to deliver a message of community, a message of inclusion, a message that all of us are looking to immerse ourselves in the best content, the best entertainment available today. That was a really important message and to drive home a thought of community and inclusion that in many regards was carried throughout the entire show, I thought was really positive. Uh, that's awesome. I'm stoked to see a Marvel Alliance, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. I really don't understand why it's only coming to Switch though. That is such a weird move and it bottlenecks them into one particular const. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Fourth is from IGN and written by Nick Santangelo. It's a bit of a read, but it's super interesting. Riot Games COO gets two-month unpaid suspension for workplace misconduct. Riot Games COO Scott Gelb has been suspended without pay for two months following allegations of workplace misconduct, reports Kotaku. A company email obtained by Kotaku explains that the disciplinary action was handed down after multiple employees reported Gelb had touched subordinates, genitals, or butts, or farted in their faces in attempts at comedy. Several Employees informed Kotaku that they felt a two-month suspension was far from satisfactory given Gelb's or alleged offenses. Gelb was at the center of an in-depth Kotaku investigative report earlier this year that painted a toxic work culture at Riot Games, one that has been plagued by sexism. These allegations apparently led Riot to contract law firm Seyfarth Shah to conduct an investigation into Gelb overseen by Riot's board of directors following that report. Following that investigation, the decision was made to keep Gelb at Riot after his suspension and mandatory training. As I have mentioned, we are committed to protecting Rioters' privacy and the integrity of the investigation process, wrote Riot CEO, CEO Nicolo Laurent in an email to employees on Monday. This means that you will not hear me or any other leader discuss individual cases. Having said that, we made a very rare exception in this case of our COO, Scott Gelb. There are factors that collectively drive this exception. The special committee of the board of directors has specifically requested that one of Scott Gelb's consequences be highly visible. Scott holds one of the most senior roles at Riot and is held to a higher level of accountability and visibility. Therefore, certain consequences are going to be very visible to rioters. It's for these reasons I feel it's necessary to make an exception. Despite the disciplinary action, however, Laurent wrote that many of the rumors circulating about Scott within the company, in the media, and other channels are not true. Following this, Kotaku inquired as to which portions of the reports Wright had found to be untrue, but the company declined to comment. There were claims made about Scott engaging in inappropriate and unprofessional behavior, particularly during the early days of Wright, continued Lauren in his email, and some of these claims were, in fact, substantiated. The conduct alleged in these claims is not acceptable. Lauren added that Gelb could have avoided owning his past and his consequences by leaving Wright, but he believes the COO chose ownership and redemption. Lauren ended by saying he supports Gelb and looks forward to seeing him seeing him return as a great leader in 2019 and hopes Wright employees will jo join him in that support. That clearly won't be the case for at least some, as Kotaku describes several current employees 
it spoke to as being furious over Riot's response. One called it a tiny slap on the wrist that showed no respect towards those who were hurt or offended by Gelb's actions. Another called for Gelb to be fired or demoted, alleging that two months off without pay is hardly even a punishment for someone who likely made loads of money off his early involvement in Riot. A third anonymous current employee thought it was pretty telling that Riot's commitment to changing their culture only goes as far as firing people who aren't already insult insulated from the repercussions of that culture. For Riot leadership, protecting their awful friends matters more than protecting their vulnerable employees. And that isn't going to change unless the workers do something about it directly. In August, Riot responded to Kotaku's original report by saying it had a zero tolerance policy on discrimination, harassment, retaliation, bullying, and general toxicity. Riot followed that up with a commitment to change later that same month. In November, current and former employees filed a class action lawsuit against Riot, alleging gender-based discrimination. Uh, Riot obviously doesn't know how to follow their own fucking rules, considering they have a zero tolerance uh, on discrimination, harassment, retaliation, bullying, and general toxicity, but this guy is still allowed to work with only two months non-paid? This might as well be a fucking vacation. Riot, you're a fucking joke. Fifth is from IGN and written by Jonathan Dornbush. After Party's voice cast includes Horizon Zero Dawn, The Walking Dead actors. Night School Studio, developer of Oxenfree, has revealed the voice cast for its upcoming adventure, After Party. Alongside the previously announced Janina Gavankar, Star Wars Battlefront 2, and Koi Dao, Detective Pikachu, Night School has confirmed Horizon Zero Dawn's Ashley Birch, Telltale Games, The Walking Dead's Dave Fenoy, and The Wolf Among Us, Aaron Yvette, are among the voice cast. The full cast includes Lola, who is voiced by Janine Gavankar, Milo, who is voiced by Goey Dow. I'm so, I'm so sorry if I'm butchering these names. I promise you I'm not trying to. Wormhorn, who is voiced by Aaron Yvette, Sam Hill, voiced by Ashley Birch, Satan, voiced by Dave Fenoy, uh, Anoskolis is voiced by Jackie Ton. Apollon, Sarah Elmale, Asmodeus, voiced by Paul Bates, Belzebub, voiced by John Lippo, and also featuring Alana Pierce from Rooster Teeth, Vidal Ash from Oxenfree, Sissy Jones from Firewatch The Walking Dead, Erica Ishii, awesome person, by the way. She does um, another podcast. I don't remember the name, but she does it with one of the McElroy brothers. Uh, and then Gisela Gilbert from Resident Evil 7. After Party tells the story of two friends, Lola and Milo, who both unexpectedly die and end up in hell. Unsure of what exactly landed them there in the first place, the two hatch a scheme to escape hell and return to Earth. But the only way to do that is to beat Satan in a drinking contest. So After Party seems pretty cool. That's a pretty freaking solid voice cast. Uh, I can't wait till it comes out. Last is from IGN and written by my man, Nick Santangelo. Mashiro Sakurai explains what the Super Smash Bros. logo symbolizes. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate has used the same circle with two lines through it as a logo since the N64 original, and now fans can finally learn what it symbolizes. In a recent Japanese YouTube video, series creator Sakurai explained that the logo is no random bit of design. According to a translation from Farm Boy in Japan, on Twitter, Sakurai said that the two intersecting lines are a nod to the many franchise crossovers present in Smash Bros. The intersection also has the effect of slicing the circle into four sections, representing Smash Bros. 4 personal multiplayer. 
While Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and Super Smash Bros. for Wii U both feature up to eight playable ma or player matches, the 1999 original and its follow-ups maxed out at four player matches. Smash's crossover aspect has also exploded since the first release, which had only 12 characters from 10 different Nintendo franchises. Ultimate features 74 characters from 33 different franchises, many of which aren't even from a Nintendo series. Yesterday, Nintendo made changes to 13 of Smash's characters and more when it released version 1.2.0, and last week, Nintendo announced it was adding yet another character from a new franchise to the Smash universe. Uh, just thought it was really cool information, a nice little tidbit to uh, Sakurai's mind. And that is the news for today. I felt like doing a little bit more. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you can dig it. Thanks for listening and let us know what you think about any of the stories we talked about by sending us a message on Anchor, the podcast app we used to record the show. If you'd like to support the podcast other than listening, please check out our Anchor page at anchor.fm slash dadsbeardsnerds, where you can donate to us via the support this podcast button and sign up for a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99 per month. Find us on Twitter at dadsbeardsnerds, on Instagram at dadsbeardsnerdspodcast, and if you'd like to be a part of our ever-growing Discord community, that link is in our Twitter bio. Until next time, I'm Anthony, and I look forward to making more content for you.